So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. Now, in today's episode, uh, lucky enough to have another interview and we're talking to Phil Goddard. So, as usual, I'm going to let Phil introduce himself and tell you a little bit about his background, uh, and then we'll get into what I'm sure will be a very interesting conversation. So, welcome, Phil. Uh, hi, Piers. Delighted to be here. So, Phil, can you tell listeners just a little bit about um, who you are, your career background, and how come we're talking? <laughs> yeah, I... Um... Uh, how did I get here? I mean, you know, we know each other, right? Um, and I guess you can expand on that. But um, I did, what, 26 years or so in corporate um, in some large, um, tele- and a large telecoms company here in the UK and local and central government and a few smaller places. Um, 20 years or so of those were in leadership roles of varying sizes of teams from like perhaps a small team of four right up to um, program manager of several hundred. Um, and around about 2004, I started looking and taking some professional training in uh, personal development in NLP, actually, and um, came across as part of that training, came across the concept of coaching and realized that throughout my leadership career, well, that was the bit that I enjoyed the most. What we called then was the people element. Um, so I just started to immerse myself in that. And in fact, I quit my job um, in 2005 to pursue a, a full-time coaching career and um, failed miserably, actually, and, and went back into corporate for a few more years, for another five years or so. And I've been a full-time coach um, since, since, I, since I finally left my job on the 15th of April, 2011. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and now work with a whole range of different people, really very much around relationships. So both personal relationships and professional relationships. I've worked with clients who are nurses, actors, um, models, journalists, and several people in, in the corporate world um, at managing at various levels. Yeah. It's it's. it's so interesting listening to people's backgrounds, actually. And uh, one of the other very clever things that Phil's done in my mind is he's done his own podcast, actually, um, which I've been lucky enough to be on a couple of times uh, called Coaching Life, where he decided that there's a lot of people wanting to get into coaching, whether they're in the business world or in the personal world. And in his podcast, he kind of um, strips back uh, all the... uh, charade that may be in front of coaching life and get to say what's it really like to be a coach um and there's some really fascinating things in there so if any listeners are interested in know well, what are these coaches really like because maybe you just see the shiny side um have a listen to phil's podcast um and it will tell you more about it and i'll, I'll put that link in in the show notes but it's a, it's a really good listening if, listen if you're interested in, in what it's like to be a coach but i think what's really interesting is 
you know, and if you listen to a lot of the coaches that we have or practitioners that we have on the Quality of Mind podcast, there's something kind of in common in that most of us have sort of started life coaching from a particular approach or, or, or um, philosophy, if you like, and we've evolved over the years. Um, and for, for regular listeners to this podcast, you'll know that um, how that's happened for myself um, and for a lot of my associates and colleagues uh, into this understanding we call sort of the principles behind quality of mind. But it's, it's, it's pointing to something that is um, a bit more upstream, a bit more meta uh, and has a more transformational benefit than what the conventional coaching we used to do. So Phil, I'd love to get your take on that because you're someone who I know has had a, quite a lot of a broad coaching background. As you say, you started in NLP. Um, so what's your sort of take now on what you see as the foundation for really successful, transformative, pervasive coaching, whoever your client might be? Uh God, what a great question, Piers. Um, for me, I think the most powerful thing we can help our clients with is to understand really what this podcast is all about, the role of the role that state of mind does play in our experience of life and how that essentially filters what life looks like to us and indeed what other people look like to us and what our jobs and work look like to us um, really helping people see how that's playing out and really once people start to understand what's going on with that then people are able to work with it work in alignment with that um, with an ease life really starts to become what, I, what I've seen with clients is life all my clients actually almost without exception report back at the end of our time how much easier life seems to be Mm. And it's, it's interesting you say that because I think one thing that's definitely been true for me is I guess if I looked at the earlier part of my change work, it was around helping people deal and cope with life better, seeing that the mind has a role in that. But probably I was seeing it as a partial or bit player, right? Which yeah. could be a very useful variable you hadn't looked at, but it was almost like, well, here's how life is. Here's how circumstances, here's how you have to go and get stuff. And here's how you can use your mind better to help you do that. Right. I now see it quite differently. I now see mind and state of mind, quality of mind, whatever you want to call it, is not a bit player. It is the variable. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> because once you have a truer understanding of that, it sorts everything else out, really. So it's it's not like, okay, how can we get our mind in a good shape to deal with life, which is probably where I might, I might have been in my NLP positive psychology days. It's more like you understand the mind and everything looks different, even how what the world is and how to get the best out of it. So, I mean, how, is that similar for you or how would you see that? Yeah, and I would say that when I first... Um I kind of, like I say, bumped into NLP anyway, because I, I used to meet a friend of mine and we'd meet for lunch and we'd just talk about all this kind of esoteric stuff. And um, I was, like I say, in leadership roles then, and I was always just really fascinated with what made us tick, so to speak. And um, it was on, on a, going through that NLP training, to me, it looked like, okay, getting a feel and understanding that we're, I had a dropped a book moment actually a couple of years before that in 2003 on holiday in, in Egypt, a real drop the book moment where I just suddenly realized, 
holy moly, we're creating our entire reality. Like, I'm creating my experience of you, Piers. I, like, I just, just really got that in that moment and started to delve deeper. But, of course, the tendency then was to then manage that, right, which I think is something that pretty much everybody who, who looks in this direction starts to do. Like, okay, so if, if, we're, if we are creating our experience within us and then let's look at um, thinking more positively and let's work on being happy. And indeed, I would say in the latter, latter stages of my corporate career, um, even be aware of the, the impact that people's state of mind had on their job. I was very much about wanting to ensure that, that people were happy in their job. They, they were happy in their work because I could see that when people were happy and really in love with life, if you want, just anyhow I would describe it, like we hear people saying, oh, I love my job, I'm loving life at the moment. When people feel like that, their creativity flows, their productivity goes up, so I thought, hmm, okay, well, all I need to do is help nurture an environment, you know, that, 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 that allows that. And, but what I've seen since is actually we don't even need to interfere with that. Like there is this natural ebb and flow of, of people's states of mind. Like don't know about you, Piers, but some mornings I can wake up just in really dark black moods and there is no explanation, but then I create one. Oh, I'm feeling down. <laughs> this must be why. Um, and then other mornings, you know, I, I can just be on top of the world, on top of the world and can handle absolutely everything. So what I've seen since those NLP days, if you like, is that it's just simply just something magical, if you like, about the awareness that we all have a state of mind and that is playing the significant role, perhaps the only role, right, in in what we're doing and how we're how we are operating in the world. It's it's. I tell you what, though, Phil, is that there's a real nuanced difference for me between and this and language gets in the way here between awareness and attention. So. I think a lot of people, me included, <laughs> when we say awareness, actually we're paying attention. Now, when we're paying attention to our state of mind, we're usually almost slightly monitoring it or measuring it to see where it is with probably a little bit of an intention to fix it if it's not right. So if we wake up in the morning and it's not feeling great or we're having a bad meeting, we go, ah, oh, that's not the circumstances or the event, that's my mind. Ah, oh, I have an awareness of that now. And built in there somewhere for a lot of us is and it'd be better if it was different, right? <laughs> so we, we mix up awareness and attention because at a simple level, right, this is the metaphor I often, well, not a metaphor, but the illustration I often use is if you wake up in the morning just for, a, you know, for the first 20 seconds of that morning, you're still in your dream, you know, where you, you can really feel that dream palpably in your body, right? You, the system just, as it wakes up, just has an awareness that it's a dream and then it disappears, right? Now that's, that's, that's awareness. But I think a lot of the awareness that we do when we're looking at our state of mind has a little tinge of attention in it. So it's, it's not, we're not actually just, I've just got an awareness, a neutral awareness. I've actually got an attention on it to try and fix it and change it, to make it more positive, to make it better. And I think that's a little trap we get into. Now, when I was in the NLP days, you'd actively be managing mm -hmm. your state. Right? There'd be tools and techniques and all sorts of things I could teach people to help them have a different, a different state of mind. 
right? Which was really playing into the fact that certain states of mind are, you know, it was sort of saying, well, some state of minds aren't very good, you should change it. And you can, you are psychologically capable of changing your state of mind. Now, it doesn't look like to me that that's the case anymore. So I guess people listening might go, all right, you guys, what's <laughs> left then? <laughs> if, if, if we're not to play with our psychology anymore, right, and we're not even allowed to pay a little bit of attention to it, what's left? So, and you talked about something kind of, I think you use the words magical or, or, you know, there's something, there's something else. Can you say, I know it's a difficult thing to put you on the spot to describe, but can you say something else, something a bit more about what that something else is? If we're not playing with our psychology anymore to make ourselves feel better, what what is there that's left to look at? Well, how can I share really what I've, what I've witnessed, if you like, in, in myself and with, with people that I've worked with and, um, I, I noticed that I the stuff previously that would pee me off, I tend to take much less seriously, like recognizing that that's made up, all right, or at least I'm creating the experience of that, whether it's made up or not. This essentially, I'm, I'm creating the experience of being peed off. And there will be times when I'm in a, what we might describe as a poor state of mind. I'm doing air quotes here because... Mm. I don't necessarily subscribe that one's better than the other, but let's just call it like uh, perhaps a dark, heavy state of mind um, compared with um, light and cheerful. So if I'm in that kind of dark, heavy state of mind, it's not like um, I'd be peed off with somebody or I'm annoyed at somebody. I'm annoyed, so everybody looks annoying. That's like the subtle difference. Mm. Just, I think in understanding that, the, I've, I've just witnessed that I'm just less likely to take that seriously in just in understanding that that will change. Mm. So I can, I can still be annoyed, but I'm even, I, I, and this don't get me wrong, Piers, this is not like this all the time, but there are, there are times when I just notice, <laughs> yeah, there I am. I'm, I'm, I'm the one playing this movie. I'm the one playing this movie. And what's magical is it's almost like, um, you know, I've been found out and it just seems to dissolve. But I also want to come to a, a different piece around this, actually, in just something that perhaps people listening to this, if you, people listening to this who um, perhaps work in teams, is when I've, I've worked um, with clients um, who, who themselves um, lead, lead teams, work with other people, pretty much everybody does, right? Um, nurturing environment that has this understanding also, and, and this sounds prescriptive, but it's an observation when I say there's something magic. Mm. I can't, I, maybe you can give me an explanation, Piers, but what I've noticed is that there's a, a, a deeper connection within those teams that understand a little bit more about what it's like to be human and how this condition of being human seems to work. There's, mm. um, if we understand, I mean, we're pretty good with it with children, right? If you see a three or four year old throwing a temper tantrum, you don't take that temper tantrum personally. Like you just know that that, that child, if you look a bit deeper, it's easy to understand that that child is entertaining some really rubbish thinking and, and is really upset 
And yet our work colleagues, perhaps, if they say something really about us because they're just generally upset, like I say, they might not be annoyed with you. They're just simply annoyed. So everyone's annoying. You know, they could say something that we then take personally. In, a, in an environment where the, we have the understanding, when we're not taking that stuff personally, we understand each other a little more. And that seems to nurture connection within, within teams. I'll, I'll, I want to come to that relationship team bit in a moment, but, but there's something you said earlier that I want to just uh, also talk about because uh, I think it was quite useful. And it's, it's that w- when we notice almost like that the world isn't doing it to us, right? And that, you know, I, I may be annoyed, but actually that's okay. That, that doesn't matter. And it dissolves a little bit. I actually think that's because at one level, we may not describe it like this, but intuitively our, our aperture to the source of consciousness, we you call it, is opened. And, and even the eye is starting to lose its grip on what it is, right? So the, the sense that there's a me here getting annoyed is loosening, mm-hmm. right? Now, we don't always say that. We don't say, oh, I'm losing my sense of I. I'm, I'm dissolving back into the greater consciousness. We, we tend not to articulate that. <laughs> and, we, and we might get a slight odd look if we did. But that's what's happening, right? And you talked about children. Now, if we take that a little bit further and look at babies, right? They don't have a sense of I in their first few months. They don't even have a sense of body, right? And that's why their, their, their state of mind is so fleeting. It's so ebb and flowy. And they have a lot of open aperture, right? Because they don't have that sense of I, yeah? So in a way, w- w- when we're more okay with not being okay, which is sort of what you were saying, it's actually because we're recognizing what we truly are, which is part of something that is greater than just us. and there is a magical quality to that, yeah, mm. which is when we get in flow and, and, and the world looks beautiful and whatever. The thing that yesterday didn't look beautiful, right? Well, there's a magicalness to that. And the same happens in teams and in relationships, right? So, so let's segue into that now because I know that's an area that you you focus on and I completely get why because it's so rich. But that there's that magicalness of what happens when we're in deep connection and that sense of my personal thinking is dissolving of, of what happens in that space. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that and, and, you know, because of your work around relationships and particularly, you know, just for this podcast, keep it maybe around business relationships, but if any examples you want to give or anything about that magicalness and that dissolving of I and that connection, I think people would love to hear that, Phil, if you've got something to say. And, and I will, I'll say whilst I, totally get and agree with everything you've said I'd also simply invite people to look at how much perhaps thinking how many ideas they have about themselves because I think in those times of connection what you might describe as you know the eye disappearing really what 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 at least looks like is happening then is there's um we are less caught up in this uh idea of ourselves and to be with someone, it's kind of like, can we be with somebody without ourselves being there? But essentially, um, being with other people without these preconceived ideas of ourselves seems to open up 
Someone's got a preconceived idea of their horn yeah. in your. It's, they have, yes. But this is a real podcast, Phil. We're, we're, embra- yeah. we're, embra- we're embrace the horn. It's all about real life. <laughs> it's distracting me a little bit. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I wonder if you can just recap, perhaps, really, and asking that question again. Well, I think what you were starting to say, which I was really liking, was that when we are in a, you know, if you take a, relation, a relationship, you know, it might be between a boss and an employee or co-founders of a business or, or even a, a, a customer, you know, or a partner relationship in, in a business, you know, or whatever. Almost you have, when you have less thinking about I, me, in that relationship, the relationship seems to go better. That, that's what I was, my sense, you were, you were going to say something about that. But I think that's fascinating. Well, this reminds me of, let's just see how relevant I'll, I'll explore in real time out, out loud. Okay. So, yeah, please uh, do. This reminds me of one time um, in, like I say, in the latter stages of my, my own corporate career. And we were working on a project and there was some work that needed to be done at the weekend. And there was, it was like, it was pretty unpleasant, tedious work that just simply had to be done at the weekend out of normal hours. And uh, one of the guys in my team just said to me, he volunteered, well, I'll do it. And I was, you know, I wanted to check with him and it really was okay. And yeah, he wanted to do it for a project, but he said this thing to me, which has really struck, stuck with me. He said, I want to do it for you, Phil. Mm. And what that just really reminded me of was, out, aside from all of these stories that we have about, even just about the objectives of our work, what needs to be done, who's the boss or whatever, all of that stuff, right? What... This understanding, to me at least, seems to do is to help us understand that actually we are all the same. Some people might even say that we're all one, right? That there is no separation. We could go there. But just um, even at, a, at, a, at the level of um, people interacting and connecting, what seems to happen is that these differences seem to dissolve. And we... Like that, that particular moment just reminded me of how connected we felt as a team. Mm. So, so when you work with people, business, business folk on, and you know, obviously relationships is something you, you work on. What, what, what do you find now, given the sort of the understanding that you have about how the mind works, is important for them to see in order to step change a relationship in, in the business world? I think that whole thing around not taking things personally is huge. Um, and I mean, a client that I was working with um, over the last couple of years um, got a couple of promotions during her time with me, but had some really challenging things to deal with in, in one of the teams that she took over. Um, essentially, there was one person who wanted, wanted to leave. And what helped us is. Again, the taking the self, as in the idea of a self, out of that, or at mm. least that seemed to fall away. And then it just became really obvious what was the most, not just empathetic thing to do for this person, but just instead of getting caught up in all of the usual thinking how dare this person, for example, or any other kind of really unhelpful thinking going on, personal thinking, there was just within that space, just this, my client was able to connect, communicate with this person in a way that, <laughs> you say like opening up the aperture, 
there was there was just some amazing ideas that flowed. Um, being connected, I think they ended up feeling they had a beautiful conversation with each other um, to find a way forward. There was just that lack of there wasn't there wasn't the the personal stuff contaminating that. Do you know what, what? One of the most fascinating things I think I find, and, and one of the lovely parts about our work is because of working with the mind, which at one level, you know, kind of has an infiniteness, infiniteness to us. It, it, it's not like, oh, we know our relationship is working at 80%, we'll get it up to 100%. Because we don't know what 100% is. Right, and I've had time and time again examples in teams or in relationships between business founders or whatever, where usually they come to you because the the relationship isn't so great, right? So so you get it back to functional to start, you know. So so they, they think, oh, they want to get the relationship back to functional. That's why they hire someone like yourself. Look, oh, we need to get a better working relationship where we're more in sync and we're falling out less. Great. Now, what seems to happen if you, if you point into the direction of the mind that, that we do feel is not only does it get back to functional, it goes somewhere else mm-hmm. in, as you said just then, ideas pop out between the two of them that they never would have thought they would have, right? So there's, there's sort of like this, you can't really put a roof on the power of that in business to what it can mean, right? So, I mean, I know in, in the sporting world, you could say, well, look how... Leicester City did so well, or Greece yeah. won the Euro football, but you know, all, all these teams that shouldn't be doing so well do, right? And, and what I think we're saying is in the business world, that's absolutely the case. That if you look at relationships between a team or people or what, or even with a customer, that, that's key, you know, a, a, a supplier, customer, or whatever, or a client. I think there's so much unseen potential in what a relationship can do. Would you agree with that? Totally. And if you just think of those words, unseen potential, like yes. what, what's unseen? Now, if we are fixated on how life looks and believing that to be real, then we, we, can't, we can't see the unseen, right? We are just fixed, like this is it. We're just looking at it this one way. However, I think the moment that we realize that, huh, there I am, I'm, you know, another analogy I'm sure a lot of practitioners use is like wearing, wearing glasses. If like I'm wearing, you know, blue tinted glasses, so everything looks blue. But the moment I become aware that I'm wearing those glasses, I might take them off. It might make sense to take them off and just see what else I see. So I think, um, again, the theme here is like when, the, when that idea of the self dissolves. So when I... We hear it a lot in language that people use. Oh, I'm just not that kind of person that would do that. And we'll kind of reinforce our ideas of ourselves. And yet there's something in this that when those ideas of the self fall away, then yes, we are then able to see the unseen. We're open to seeing what we haven't seen before. Mm. And it's so powerful. And I think most people in business will have actually experienced it right? Because you are human working with humans and you will have had time when you've been in teams when it feels like you've got the wind behind your sails, anything is possible, it's a real mojo and you've definitely felt the opposite, no doubt. So I guess it's always the case when I'm on these podcasts, I'm thinking, well, okay, so the listener's thinking to that going, yes, I recognize that. I'd love some of that for my team, uh, my business relationships. How do I do that, right? How do I get myself some of that, right? Now, 
I think as we, we hinted at the beginning of this, this conversation, Phil, how you and I would have done that 10 years ago is different to how you and I would do it now. Um, and it may be different to how conventionally the world of, you know, team development or leadership development or relationship mending works, yeah. right? We're, we're pointing something a little different, which is the, the essence of what's behind all the work on quality of mind. Um, and it's pointing to this, what I described, this very upstream conversation about the nature of the mind, which at one level seems completely intangible to how I get a better functioning relationship with my team, right? So how do you, I'm going to give you a really difficult question now. How do you, in a nutshell, you know, right? If someone's saying, how do I have, how do I have some more? What do I need to do now? Or what do I need to look at now? How would you describe that to someone who had a minute to answer, you know, you had a minute to answer it? I think more of everything, more productivity. Um, yeah, more of more of anything that anybody listening to this might come up with is available to us, but it's really a a misunderstanding, and entertain and looking at the world through a particular misunderstanding that keeps us from that. Right. So mm. um, it's not like we it's not like we have to go and get something. It's just, it appears. When the misunderstanding dissolves, all of that more stuff is actually, is already there that we're keeping from ourselves. That, that we just see it. It just, it seems to, like I say, magically show up. You know, we might say that we're connected to a greater intelligence, if you like. Some people might say intuition, wisdom, right? But all the time, I am white knuckle holding on to how I look at life. I, I don't, I don't hear that. I don't hear hear wisdom. I don't hear my. I don't get to listen to my intuition. So, um, yeah, it's not a, really about how to get. It's about let's just clear this misunderstanding out the way, and mm. then what do you notice? I mean, actually, that's my most common question. I'll ask all of my clients. Like, okay, what have you noticed? Mm. There is you're this- clearing up the misunderstanding. So, I think it's really important here that you're saying, which I think is great, is. To answer the question, how do I get more of whatever this is? Actually, the intervention here is the clearing up of a misunderstanding. And then what that leaves behind it is, is, you know, what do they notice about that? So you're clearing up a misunderstanding. That's the intervention. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and what's the misunderstanding that you're clearing up? That I experience a world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. We should just stop the podcast right now. Um. <laughs> yes, I was going to say other people, but actually, yeah, it's it's that that I'm experiencing everything. I'm experiencing my work colleagues. I'm experiencing my boss. I'm experiencing my paycheck. Um, that I'm experiencing all of that. That's the misunderstanding. Yeah. And, and I know for those of you who might be, this is the first sort of quality of mind podcast you've listened to, you might go, well, thanks for that. Because uh, how, how does that help me? Um, you know, I, I'd point you to other, other, other episodes in this that, that talk about that a bit more because it is the very nutshell of what we do. Um, that once people see, clear up the misunderstanding about how the mind works and how experience is created and, and, and what, what Phil just said, it, it reveals something really wonderful. Um, the, the challenge I find, and I'm sure you do too, Phil, in, in 
when you first talk to someone about that, maybe in a business development conversation, that doesn't sound well-known enough or conventional enough or tangible enough to be the basis to <laughs> do some work together, right? It, it, it can sound flaky and abstract and, uh? How do you answer that one? I just encourage people to uh, be willing to take a look. Just be willing to take a look. So, like... For example, which I've mentioned there, next time you're peed off about something, just notice what it is, like your justification for being peed off. Just notice like that. And um, again, that can look really true. A and other should not have behaved this way or they should have done. And just notice what that's made of and, mm. and, and, and how might the situation look different without believing that. Yeah. And, and also, it's interesting, isn't it? The fact that we can do that, the fact that we can see it like that, which is I'm peed off and it's their fault, and then in the next moment we can go, I'm peed off, oh yeah, and it's not really them, it's just what my mind's up to. Mm-hmm. The fact that we can go from one to the other is the interesting thing, right? Because that points to something about the nature of the mind. If it couldn't do that, then, okay, we've got less to work with. Yeah. Right? How can it go in one second from seeing that and the next second to seeing that and the next second to seeing that? Well, that's something I think we need to explore more as a, as a species. That's something that schools need to look at. You know, the fact that... And, and, and I'll chat this one right at the end because we need to finish up soon. But another one I, I love getting people to explore in is the fact that Every night or whenever people go to sleep, where do you go? Yeah. Right? Where do you go? I know your body, if you had a camera, might still be lying on this bed thing, but you disappear. Right? Then you wake up the next morning, and before you know it, you think, oh, yeah, well, I was asleep. Well, actually, no, because when you were asleep, you weren't there. Right? Now, why isn't that talked about in schools? That's fascinating to know what happens to the sense of self and the me when we're in deep sleep. Something happens. But, you know, so it's, I, I think what we're both saying here is that if you want to know how to get a bit more of this and it sounds a bit flaky, there's a curiosity you might need to engage with that we don't normally. Is that? Yeah, pretty much. Like, you can notice the door is ajar when you see... Mm. Um, that okay yeah i can see that if i didn't believe this person shouldn't behave that way so i can see that i'm creating that that if you like has the door ajar but we can swing the door right open and start looking okay like where else is this playing out and we will see pretty much well everywhere but i just yeah have a nudge against that door that's that would be that would be my suggestion be willing to just have a peek behind the door of that yeah and i think i think you know so if for people who maybe have been listening to this and it feels like their door, their door is a little open now, right? They're like, okay, don't really get what you guys want about there's something there. Then, you know, there's an invitation to be curious, um, to, to reach out to us. I mean, I'll put, I'll put Phil's uh, stuff in the show notes. He, his podcast is great, but also he's got some, he's written books too. Um, he's very generous with his time. I know if you want to speak to him. So if you reach out to him, he'll help you. Um, he's that kind of guy. 
um, very spacious in, in how he listens. So um, I'll, I'll put all that out there. And the invitation from us is to be curious. I mean, Phil, time's, time's disappeared on this podcast as usual. Any, any sort of last thoughts you'd love to leave listeners with? If it does feel like we've, we've covered it. Um, but it just reminds me of um, one line, and I know there's, uh, I won't worry about the story of it, but, but there's just this one phrase that um, you don't have to think that. <laughs> that's, that's great, isn't it? And you don't have to think that. And our capacity to not think that is fascinating. So, uh, Phil, thank you for giving up your time uh, and sharing some of your lovely, spacious wisdom with us. And, um, you you know, uh, I I really love what you do and I hope people have found this interesting. And if they do, get curious and check it out. So until next time, have fun and be curious. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please reach out and leave us a review and a comment. If you want more info, check out makingchangework.co.uk or Piers Thurston on LinkedIn.